what the hell is going on? But this is awesome, and oh, there's this shit happening, and cool, there's this guard. Oh! I'm holding you up, asshole. Oh, God, I'm right back in this shit. Holy bat shit crazy. You better run for your life! Let's have some nuns. Let's do some nun shit. I'm expecting this to break into a Mentos commercial. You say George Eastman, and I'm watching it. Nobody is calling copyright on that shit. Penises. Hello everyone, welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net where the mashed potatoes always mean something. (laughs) (laughs) And I will never look at mashed potatoes the same way again. (laughs) (laughs) If you are wondering who that voice belongs to, that is the one and only TJ Washburn. I'm Eric Marner. Eugene Weaver is with us as well. This is part two of a Christmas crossover special that we are doing with Average Joe's Drive-In. You need to go to Average Joe's Drive-In and listen to part one before you get to this one, part two. Trust me, it's worth a listen. It was fun. It was funny. And we are charging into part two right now. The setup that we're doing this week is we each picked an unusual or atypical Christmas movie that we're going to discuss and we're just kind of going from there. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy hey. Hanukkah. Why did none of us pick a, a Hanukkah movie? I mean, um, they get a whole eight, week. Is it, somebody should yeah, have Fiddler one? on the maybe Roof the, Maybe something. the animated movie from uh, the Billy Madison guy. Yeah. yeah. And that? Wow. I was going to say, I, I can't think of any Hanukkah horror movies, so Eugene, start right. <laughs> which, which <laughs> there should be one. Yes, I agree. <laughs> the Hand That Rocks the Dreidel. <laughs> you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to get any better than that. Thanks for listening to this episode yep. of the podcast. I'm Eugene Weaver. Uh, I'm Eric Murder. See you next week. Eugene <laughs> Washington. <laughs> oh, and here part we of me wants to just end the show and put that up. Everybody <laughs> waited all this time to hear what our other movies were, and they get they get Three a thirty minutes. second episode. I'm like, just enjoy that, Cricks. Oh God, oh. that was great. Uh, all right, let's keep going in the, the roundabout way that we were. Eugene, you're up first with your, your second atypical Christmas movie uh, review conversation. We'll go from there. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? That was perfect. Okay, Eugene. Ahem. Okay, so uh, to uh, to go back into our horror talk for Christmas, and there is... Literally every uh, every horror movie that's set around Christmas, I have seen, unless it's so incredibly shitty that I just haven't got to it yet, because I'll get to it <laughs> at some point. Because I'm sure that there's some that are like, you know, Krampus Part 5, or Krampus Demon Part 5, or some nonsense on on Amazon Prime, or something. Have, They're have on you, there, trust have, me. Have you seen the Stephen Miller directed The Haunted Christmas Tree yet? The Haunted Christmas Tree? <laughs> I'm making a bad joke about are the you Stephen gonna say Miller Silent Night? Max thing. Oh, oh okay. I was like, are you kidding me? Did Stephen Miller, did he actually make? <laughs> Mad Max, directed by Stephen Miller, his second yeah. film, The Haunted Christmas well, Tree. I actually thought you were talking about the director of Silent Night. Yeah, that's the, what I thought so, too. Yeah, the, the SM. Which, I was making yeah. a really bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, okay. said, and I'm sorry, Stephen Miller. I actually went to director Stephen Miller and his really shitty Silent Night movie, not uh, not the cool Stephen Miller that we had on our show. Yeah. This is a complete train wreck. Yeah. Oh, we're just getting started, bitches. Okay, uh, Eugene, your movie. I'll try. Okay, I'll try and steer so, this train wreck. 
Uh, so my movie was two uh, was 2006's Black Christmas. This is the remake from director Glenn Morgan. Uh, from the Weinstein Company, I believe, because there's some drama behind the scenes with this movie as far as added scenes put in the movie and whatnot. Um, but I am going to just go on record as saying that I love this movie. This is the unrated in my yeah, it's unrated, and in my in my opinion, this is the perfect example of how to do a more modern. Uh, slasher movie right. Uh, I will take this any day over the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Friday the 13th remake, even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which I quite liked. I think from all of the remake reimaginings, I think the Black Christmas is the best. It still captures some of what made Bob Clark's Black Christmas cool, but they take it in a different direction while still staying somewhat true to the source material, unlike Silent Night, which is uh, in name only turd that is not it's basically it is generic slasher Christmas movie it's not Silent Night Deadly Night in any way in, in any way and I watched it again for the like the fifth time this year again um, because it's uh, it's a Christmas horror movie so I have to but anyway Black Christmas um, I, again I don't quite know why this movie got so much hate upon its release and still to this day it's like the setting is great and i've said this on our show before i'm going to say it again the cinematography on this movie is part of what makes the movie so good is it feels like a warm happy christmas movie like it's like all the christmas lights and everything about the movie is warm uh, it, the the tone of the movie like the the, the way the the film looks is warm it's not like a it's not like a Saw movie where everything is dark and steel. Does, does this make sense? Yes, yes. I know everything is Everything is cheery, and, and, and I like that. I like the fact that they went that route to make it feel like a, a family movie because it is the farthest thing from that. It is <laughs> so incredibly mean-spirited, and it just embraces all of the slasher tropes while still being its own cool thing. Kind of, And, and here's the thing to me. This has more of a... Uh, this pays better homage to the original Silent Night, Deadly Night than that crappy remake that, or any other of the, the, the slasher movies or the, the holiday slasher movies. Uh, we get the killer's backstory, much like Silent Night, Deadly Night. The killer's name is Billy in it, uh, wears a Santa suit at one point. Uh, there, there's, there's numerous things in here where I'm like, this feels like a little homage to Silent Night, Silent Night Deadly Night. And I that's another reason why I love the movie. But the, actor, the actresses in the movie... Um, you're supposed to, I think, kind of dislike them all, but it's not in a you are grating on my nerves, I hate you sort of way. It's like they're kind of cool bitchy, you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I thought that the uh, Sorority Row remake was similar in that I I didn't like them, but I liked their character. Like, you're supposed to kind of not like them, but they're still, you still kind of like them. But uh, anyway. I work at a college, so I totally get that. Okay, good. yeah, because some of these movies where you you genuinely hate the characters in them in the movie, and here I, I, every single character, especially the the one uh, girl, she gets just hammered to the point where she's throwing up. Uh, Thomas, do you remember which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, she's basically the Margot Kidder character from the original. Yes, she is yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, and and I thought, and she's been in other movies too, but I like. She was extremely bitchy, but in the best way possible. I'm like, I love your lines. I love how you I just, how you don't give a shit and how you're saying that Christmas sucks. I just, I thought that she was great. Uh, but I do, again, I really appreciate that Glenn Morgan uh, 
the unseen killer from the original Black Christmas, we see him and we have a full backstory on his character. But and it works in that context. You much like Silent Night, Deadly Night, you understand why he does what he does, and it makes sense. Um, the kills are brutal, non CGI, uh, really brutal. Like we're talking. I'm not sure if he took a cue from the old Italian Fulci movies, but there's a lot of eyeball yeah. gore in this movie. Like. It's nasty and great and extremely fast-paced. Like, the, even the uncut version, um, minus the end credits, we're talking like an hour and 25 minutes, and it just flies by. It's so, claustrophobic, too. Yeah, because it's all set in this oh, yeah. in this sorority house. Uh, but it, the big action ending in the, in the house, that well, I guess then in, we end up in a hospital, but... And it ends so abruptly. I love how it ends. It's very different from the original Black Christmas, but it just... This happens, roll credits, and then we have the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy music playing, whatever, and I'm like, perfect! Merry Christmas! So, Black Christmas, huge thumbs up. I love it. I've talked about this movie before on the show, and I also very much enjoy this movie. I think it's wonderfully disturbing. I, I think that's a great comparison, and very interesting that it's more similar to the original SNDN than... than uh, hmm, that's yeah. interesting. Um, anyway... I am very curious to get your take on it, TJ, because I haven't seen the original Black Christmas, so I don't have any, like, guiding sign of, of how it might, should be, or if it's a good homage to the original. I am pretty much going to echo absolutely everything Eugene said about this. Um, yes. And, and to bring a point up with Eugene, I think with this, this gets a lot of hate because I'll, I'll tell you, like, going back when this originally came out, this was a film I swore I would never see because I was so sick of remakes at that point in time and I love Black Christmas. I was just like, no, fuck this movie. I'm not going to go see it. No, 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 no. And the only reason I, I watched it is it's funny that you picked the unrated version because I picked it up for 97 cents at one of the local music, nice. music video places. And... I loved it. I was like, I was really surprised. And I'm like, the gore reminded me a lot of like Gates of Hell, Fuji, like where it's yes. just so extreme. It's just like, it's so extreme that it, that it doesn't really, it, it, it kind of bothers you a little bit, but at the same time, you're just like, holy crap. I can't believe they showed that in a modern horror movie. The, exactly. The cookie, like, like the cookie holy... cutter scene. That the, was hardcore. That was brutal. <laughs> that That's like, yeah. Drill through the head and gates of hell as far as, like, brutality goes. I'm just like, yeah. holy shit. Um, yeah. And I agree with you that I think it does follow a little... It's like they took Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night and kind of, like, mashed them together into one film. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Silent Night, Black Christmas, you know, basically. <laughs> is, but I, I agree, Perfect. like, I didn't... I didn't hate any of the characters. Um, the only character I didn't like in this film was the annoying boyfriend. I thought they could have just cut him right out. He he didn't even need to be in the movie. They could have just had him been no, all the didn't. girls and just gone from there. And yeah, yeah. I, I I do like his one line in the movie where he's where he's like "fuck all you spoiled bitches." I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh my, like, okay. that was good. But I mean, other than that, it's like he wasn't necessary. Like, unlike the original where the boyfriend really has kind of a key role because of the Oh, uh, yes. You know, he yeah. doesn't really have anything there other than being cannon fodder. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I gave agree. I gave this a 
Six out of ten, I don't like it as much as the original because I don't think it's as creepy as the original. The original, no, it's not. But it's fun. This was actually a fun. If you like fast-paced, really gory slasher style flicks, and you like giallos, I would recommend checking this out because it's kind of like a more Americanized giallo, basically. This that's how I felt. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, definitely. Yeah. I'm glad you picked it and finally forced me to watch it because I've just been like, eh. I got it for 97 cents, but I don't know if I'm really <laughs> ready to watch this yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you liked it. Me too. And the perspective from the comic book sci-fi dork when I finally got around to watching this was, and I think I got it for a buck as well, because he's Eugene said you have to watch the unrated, don't get the, the cut version. Yeah. <clears throat> I was watching it going, oh, that's the actress from Arrow. And that's the actress from Lost in Space. And that's the actress... Like, I knew all these girls from other things. It's the girl from Yarrow Trip. Yeah, when when they were very, like, nice and nerdy. And here they're they're just awful. (laughs) But but awful in a... Like, I I was never annoyed with with any of these girls in the movie. I, I liked them all... Their characters. And I'm like, yeah. I, I get I get who you're trying to be in this movie. And I, I like that. I think that's, you're, you're not over, you're not overselling it to where you're, people don't act like that in real life. They all acted like college girls, I yeah, think. I agree. And, and like I said, working at a college, I'm like, they nailed that right on the head because that <laughs> is, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad. I, I, I always like to, to introduce uh, new fans of movies that got a lot of hate from the get-go and and I know that Glenn Morgan I don't believe that he's even directed a movie since then because he had a really really rough time on on that movie uh, and uh, yeah the only other movie he's directed was Willard the uh 2003 remake Willard, which I thought was okay I, I haven't seen it since the I have a funny story about Willard real quick I couldn't remember the name of this movie Willard for the longest time so I kept calling it Willis. Oh, <laughs> you know, like what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Gary Coleman, I was like, so I kept saying to my cousin one day, I'm like, yeah, we got to go see that movie Willis about the rats. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, oh, you mean Willard with Crispin Glover? I'm like, yeah, yeah. that film. So, yeah. Sorry, sidetrack note, but yeah. yeah. No, that's all right. <clears throat> So anyway, there I, you go. That's that's I Black I always love to find somebody that's giving a, that movie a thumbs up as well. A six out of ten, I'll totally take. That's a thumbs up in my book. So oh, definitely. I, it's not I'll take a, that all day. It's not a resounding, like, I don't think unless you are a balls-out, like, gory, horror nut-type person who's not really into that type of film, you probably might not enjoy it. But there's a lot of cool little things in that 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 kind of throw back to some of these other like 80 slasher films and stuff that I was picking up going, Ooh, that's a little nod to this. That's yep. ah, yeah. So yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, but I'm also dying, dying to know what your first viewing of SNDM was like. So let's move on to that. Eugene Please. is either going to yell at me or just smile and grin stupidly from here to here <laughs> or both. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, 1984, directed by Charles Sellier. Um, it's a pretty short film. I watched the unrated version. I, I actually picked up not the new release, but um, the, the previous one that was the unrated. So I'm glad I did because I could see why I would not like this movie that much with all the gore parts taken out because it just would have 
felt like a really kind of poorly put together attempted a PG-13 slasher. You know, the, like the the added gore scenes really kind of yeah. <laughs> so and I and I just want to say this film has been on my bucket list of 80s horror films for the longest time since I saw the cover in the video store with him climbing down the chimney and the axe and the whole thing and just yeah. Like I was just like that movie like it when I saw that, I was maybe 12 or 13 and just getting into horror, and I'm like, holy shit, I can't watch that. It's got an evil Santa, and it's probably going to scare me. And I don't know. Like, I had just watched Silence of the Lambs, and I was worried about evil axe-wielding Santa. But, <laughs> 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 so, this is basically like the little review I wrote up for it. Holy bat shit crazy. I wasn't <laughs> sure if I really liked it or I needed to take a shower and read the Bible. Uh, <laughs> there is a bizarre aesthetic to this film that both works in its favor and against it. Much like classic Italian giallos, it's reminiscent of a fever dream, although much more Americanized because of the whole just over-the-top Santa thing and the consumer culture part of it. Um, there were a few plot issues that kind of annoyed me, but other than that, um, I was... I, I'm glad I finally gave this a view. Um, I don't think this would be a film for everyone, and honestly, I'd only recommend it to the diehard genre fans. The mean-spirited brutality might be a bit much for some to swallow. Also, after <laughs> seeing the extra footage inserted, like I said, I think you definitely want to watch the unrated, uncut version if you are a gore hound. I give this a 6 out of 10, but honestly... I can see this is a film that the more I watch it, the more that it's just going to grow on me because it's just got that feeling to it. And I keep finding myself walking down the thing, you know, doing whatever I'm doing and going naughty or punished. So, <laughs> TJ, I've watched this movie, like Eugene has watched this movie a million times. I've watched it, I think, three times, maybe. I, and I'm kind of savoring it because every single time I watch it, it gets better. Every single time. It starts off and I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember it kind of starts off with him as a kid. And then we get the grandpa speech. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm that right back so in this creepy. shit. That is so creepy. The grandpa oh, yes. speech is creepy. <laughs> yeah. And then that I'm guy like, sells it so well. Yes, he does. And then and then I'm, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I kind of forgot about that. I wonder what else I'll for- I, I don't remember. And then it's the... Um, crazy Santa stopping the car in the road. And then it's, then you know what? Let's have some nuns. How about some, let's do some nun shit. And I'm like, oh my God. Every single (laughs) viewing gets better. And I want to watch this movie more often than I am, but I just enjoy every time I go back, it's re it's a re exploring this wonderful treasure (laughs) and it gets better. I think it's one of those ones that I will probably, I don't know right now if it will be yearly viewing but this is going to be one i'll probably throw on every couple of years just just when it's starting to kind of get out of my head a little bit yeah and i'm going to go back and watch it and see stuff i didn't see but i i wanted to bring up that the the crazy asshole killer santa guy and that seed i'm holding you mean i'm holding you up asshole yeah 30 36 (laughs) dollars merry fucking christmas you know yeah that's him that I like scene that guy. With, with his parents <laughs> in the Santa in the parents thing, dude, like that really bothered me. There's not a lot of yeah. scenes in movies that bother me. I'm like, yeah, man, this is like being kind of gr- 
gratuitous to the point of not being cool, like psychologically. And it, not, after not he murders the glory, parents, right? and he, yeah, and he's standing in the road. And he's like, "Where are you, you little bastard?" And yeah. I'm like, "That's really nasty yeah. stuff." Even for an '80s slasher movie, I'm like, "This is we're now, you know, kids are in, you know, kids' lives are in danger." And it, it's bordering on that line of almost crossing it. It's like it's it's tiptoeing, you know. It's like doing a ballerina dance across the line and almost falling onto the wrong side. Yeah. So I can see yeah. why this movie honestly got so much hate back in the day from like the the parent PTA people and the you know the the Tipper Gore and all them and oh it's such a freaking gem be- screw all yeah. those this movie is so bizarre I love it <laughs> oh and that's what and that's what makes it work it's it's like I yeah. said about the whole it reminds me of like the Italian I always like you know describe like Argento films in Bava and even Fulci is like just the like a weird, like, fever dream type thing, you know, where it's just like, what the hell is going on? But this is awesome, and oh, there's this shit happening, and cool, there's this gore, and oh! And, and <laughs> this, this reminds me so much of that. Like, it's it's got that kind of, like, aesthetic to it, but it's it's just more Americanized. You know? Yeah, I, it is. The, the whole scene with him getting the job, and you know, not to spoil yeah, too much, but toys, yeah. him putting stuff away, it's like, I'm expecting this to break into a Mentos commercial at any time. <laughs> and have him look yeah. at the thing with the Mentos and just be like, hey. Yeah, it's so cheesy, but again, that's I, I, I love that because it's it's the calm before the storm because as soon as he puts the Santa suit on, then it he reverts back to his childhood and, well, Santa Claus is evil because Grandpa told me and my parents were murdered and Mother Superior is this awful wench and so, therefore, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's any... one, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest meets the Santa Claus movie meets um, a slasher movie. It's bizarre. It, yeah. It's such a weird amalgamation of... of <laughs> these movies and Eugene was sending me pictures of the new transfer. Was it scream factory? You put that out. Yeah. And even from my phone, I was like, Oh my God, there's not a grain in it. They look amazing. But the, yeah. the comment, that's not what sent me over the edge. The comment he made it. I, I was almost in tears last night. He said, I'm saying every line of dialogue. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. That just I'm made literally... me laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me by myself in my basement, uh, drink in hand, reciting the movie is Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. You see Santa, you better run for your life. <laughs> like, yes, I know it. I know that movie by heart. You, you want to know uh, something though? I and I'm probably gonna sound like I'm gonna sound like an awful person, but any excuse to see naked Lania Quigley for me is is a bonus. Oh, dude, I'm right there with because, you. Oh, yeah. Because I, 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 um. Basically, she is the reason I've had a lifelong obsession with, like, goth punk girls because <laughs> of trash Return of the, Return of the Living Dead. Dead. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I have a very special place in my heart for her. So Yeah. I'm going to take the high ground and say women shouldn't be objectified. You're both pigs. I love this. Oh, I love I, all those movies I just think <laughs> I think it's just empowering. Kidding. And I think it's empowering to women to be able to do that and be able to freely show their bodies. I, yep. Hey, if there's one person that, see, I hate being a man commenting on this kind of shit, but um, <laughs> she, when she does that stuff in movies, she does it in such a way where it does feel like that, like she's proud. 
Oh, yeah. She always and, has that, like, I don't give a fuck attitude. This is who right. I am. You, the rest of you deal yeah. with it, you know? That's actually yeah. the sexy part about it with her. Yeah. Oh, yes. I agree. Oh. I, and her three big ones to, to me are Silent Night, Deadly Night, Return of the Living Dead, and uh, Night of the Demons. I think those are her three big have you moments, seen? Have, have you seen, just, just not to get too far off track, but have you ever seen Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers? Oh, dude, uh, we've talked Come about on, it a couple I times. I have, I have never seen this, so that's one of the, the Linnea Quigley movies I'm missing out on seeing. So, is it worth a view? Is my, you know. Um, that's a who who made that movie? Fred Olin Ray. Yeah, it's a Fred Olin Ray joint. We had a whole episode about that shit. I think yeah. that was two Octobers ago when I watched it. Yeah. It's a Fred Olin Ray. It's vehicle. it's off camera. Someone is throwing rubber body parts, and there's. <laughs> <laughs> TNA and chainsaws that are running, but not. Uh, it's it's awful, but you know Gunnar Hansen's in it and Linnea Quigley. And therefore, you should watch it. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check it out. See if I can track down a copy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure one of the niche companies must have it out by now. Oh, uh, it's Retro Media. It's on Blu-ray. Retro Media released it, which is Fred Olin Ray's company. You absolutely uh, do not need to see that movie on Blu-ray. Trust me, that is worth <laughs> a that is worth a nickel VHS that somebody taped off of Tubi HBO TV. in maybe, 1985. Maybe it will be on Tubi TV or something where I can yeah. check it out. For really? Free. Yeah. It's not impossible. YouTube something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm. Honestly, I guarantee yeah. it's probably on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody is calling copyright on that shit. <laughs> now, Lin- Linnea Quigley, she was also in Creepazoids and Nightmare Sisters and Slimeball, uh, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama. So those are some some of her B-list starring roles there. Compared the, to... Yeah. yeah, the high Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Return of the Living Dead is kind of the high That's mark, like highbrow that... cinema compared to those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, oh, I God. love that movie and I'm, I'm not giving it any shit because that's one of my all-time favorites. But, yeah. Wait, Return, Return of the Living Dead? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, anybody that gives that movie crap can fuck right off. That movie, that no. movie is so much fun. That's what yeah, I love yeah. about it. It's just. You mean the movie lied? <laughs> <laughs> like this job. of comedy, horror, <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you gave Silent Night Deadly Night a, a chance. It's. Uh, Again, it like I said on your show, uh, it holds a special place in my heart. I I have watched that movie more than any other movie in my life, uh, literally. Uh, I mean, I could watch that like several times a year, but I it I treasure every year in December. It's time to watch Selling the Deadly Night, and I mean, it's literally. But I will be honest. I will probably eventually buy the um, was it Arrow that just put it out a Scream Factory. Scream Factory. Did. I think I will buy that version eventually um, because my cool little. A media place that I buy all my media usually gets used copies in and I get like bonus points and stuff so I think eventually I will buy it because the version I have the the uncut footage is isn't restored so you can tell when it transfers over that's my version yeah. as well I, I was gonna ask Eugene is the stuff that's been put in as that does it match up better now well, here's here's how here's how things went with the this screen factory release the the remaster is Absolutely fantastic. Uh, they were not able to. They they checked with Sony and they were not able to locate the uh, film elements for the uncut footage. So it is still that footage, but Scream Factory did uh, clean it up and try to match it as best they could with what they with their new remaster. So it looks better than all other versions. So okay. it looks better than the previous Blu-ray and DVD and VHS. Because you can definitely tell you, where the stuff is that they yeah. cut. Yeah, and you still can't. Yeah. You you can't. You still can. Eventually, I'm hoping that it's found. But it's trust me when I say that 
it's still the movie itself. It looks so good, and the special features are so good. I mainly want it for the special features because that version I have really doesn't have much on there. It's just, this one has yeah. a, a great interview with uh, Linnea Quigley, which she talks. About. It's great. It's it's like a twenty one minute interview with her, and there's like a forty five minute interview with the producers, the composer, and uh, Brian. Is it Brian Scott Wilson? The basically Billy from the movie. Yeah. Everybody in these movies is nothing but first names. <laughs> They're yeah. all uh, assassins in training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Billy Todd Johnson Bob. It was a Morgan. John. Who drew, was a Morgan guy? What was that? Oh, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, great. I'm sure it's, <laughs> presidents better be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you... But anyway. So that's how you get in the biz, kids. If you want to get in the biz, you give yourself three first names and you yeah. are good to go. Or just call yourself McGee, and oh, you're in. Yeah. And now I want McDonald's, Eugene. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I want a large McGee with a side of fries and a vanilla shake, please. <laughs> oh, if you're ordering a large McGee, it's all vanilla. There, it's nothing <laughs> but vanilla. <laughs> it has no mustard. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, vanilla. Okay. Oh. Let's move on to my. My last one, um, and this one is very much like the other movies that everybody has been picking, <clears throat> Eyes Wide Shut. And I was able to, I've had this Blu-ray on my shelf, I think maybe for two years, and it's the uncut version of the film. I'm not sure if I've seen before. I think I might have at some point, but at any rate, it's the one where the digitally CGI'd people that were uh, put in to cover up the... Uh, orgy scene stuff it, that's gone this is the cut that kubrick turned in and actually one of the things i, I learned in research uh, for this review was that the cgi people to block some of the elements was actually his idea so even though that was done after he passed away that was one of his ideas if this movie did not get an r rating from the mpaa so i was hmm. like oh oh you know what okay fair enough uh <laughs> Uh, how to describe this movie. Uh, Eugene and I both have a story about seeing this in the theater because we both saw it on first dates, as I recall. <laughs> yes, we did. Good God, that was awful. What an uncomfortable first date movie. Yeah, yeah ironically, it wasn't with each other. Um, no. Highway <laughs> to... Uh, uh, top Gun. <laughs> wow, you're calling back to other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um... It wasn't too uncomfortable with mine because it was somebody that I knew very well, like growing up. So it it, it still was kind of awkward because it was like, holy shit, this is this movie? This is what we're doing? Uh, I had in my mind how this movie is. I've watched it a few times, but it's been a few years. So going back and rewatching it this time, I was really surprised to see that my memory was a little off. I always think of the orgy scene in the third act. The orgy scene's not in the third act. It's in the first half. And then they spend the next, like, hour of Tom Cruise doing kind of detective-y stuff. My viewing this time was a little more interrupted because I was dealing with kids and I didn't have full attention to sit down and focus as much as I like to. So but my instinct is to take it down a smidge, but I'm not going to do that because this movie is still absolutely on point and I love every frame and I wouldn't cut anything out of it. It's really hard to break this movie down succinctly as to what it's about. It's a Kubrick film. And for me, it's a masterpiece. 
Not all of his movies are masterpieces, but this one is. And I, I read an article some time ago. I couldn't find it, so I maybe it was bullshit, but where he said that this is the best movie that he's ever made, looking back at his own filmography. That's impressive. Some people call it um, his unfinished masterpiece, but that's not entirely accurate because his final edit was delivered by Kubrick to Warner Brothers four days before his death. Wow. There were some there were some score things that weren't finalized, but I eh, come on, I'm not gonna hold that against it. it it's, it's and and there are rumors out there that Sidney Pollock finished it up. He was uh, Victor in the movie, but mm-hmm. he's also an established director on his own. There were rumors that he actually finished the edit, but I couldn't I couldn't find anything to really substantiate if he actually did any work on it. You know what I mean? I think everybody was just trying to be respectful to. A, fantastic great director who passed away and um this is like most kubrick movies it i i have to watch them two three four five times till i finally i don't want to say get it because i hate it when people say that oh you didn't like the movie you just didn't get it i hate it when people do that so i'm not going to do that but it's one (laughs) you might have to take a breather so i can put these kids to bed but it did it well you and i can keep talking thomas <laughs> yeah so what else <clears throat> oh or is he going okay so what else have you been watching uh i haven't watched a whole hell of a lot because things have just been super duper nutty for me the last couple weeks i've had I had to replace the furnace at the house, doing a lot of adult things, and, and yeah, I uh, had my Christmas stuff this last weekend with my family, and um, my lady and her kid come up, so we did presents because they're doing family stuff next weekend, and I still have to do something with my dad coming up. But <clears throat> excuse me, with all the uh, with all the weird stuff that's been going on, I I just like all my free time has just been when I have had free time, I've been trying to watch all the movies for this. So I could at least know what the hell was going on and chime in a little bit yeah. on them because the only film I had actually seen out of the six was long kiss Goodnight and the original black Christmas, but I hadn't seen that yeah. for so long. So yeah. Nice. Well, now I do notice behind you, you've got Cemetery Man oh, poster yes. hanging on your oh, wall. Yes. So you obviously like that movie. Okay. Huge Michelle uh, Sylvie fan. The Church is also a huge favorite of mine. Yes, huge. Uh, so you like The Church, and did you like The Sect? Have you seen The Sect? I have not. Oh, dude, that is a great movie. The Church is better, but The Sect is a really good uh, culty type movie. And you've seen um, Stage, Fright. Stage Fright? Yes. So the slash I, okay. Stage Fright was my least favorite of his films. Like, really? Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know if I was. I only watched it once. I used to have it on DVD. Um, I only watched it once, and I just could not get into it. I don't know if it was just I was having one of those nights. You know what I mean? Like, you get them sometimes yeah. where it's just like that's not what you're in the mood for, but you kind of got through oh, it. Oh yeah. But, yeah, you start a movie and you're like, well, no, I'm committed. I'm not really in the mood for it, but uh, I'm 45 minutes into it. I got to quit. I got to finish the uh, movie. Yeah, pretty much. The, um, But Cemetery Man is is it's in my top 100 all-time favorite horror movies. That's interesting. See, you know, I, I 
can appreciate it. It's definitely not. It's, it's I, it so weird. <laughs> it's, just, it's so weird, yeah. And so is The Church and The Sect. Uh, I think his most access, uh, accessible movie is uh, Stage Fright. Yeah. Because it's more of a straight-up slasher movie. And it's almost like that one there was an Italian uh, an Italian company, an Italian director, trying to make an American yeah. slasher movie versus so many of the American uh, American slasher movies trying to make a giallo. This one here was literally like it didn't feel so much a giallo. It felt more of a let's try to emulate what the Americans are doing with yeah. – you know, it, it very much felt like an American slasher movie. And that's but, what I kind of know. felt like with Silent Night, Deadly Night, that it was like an American movie trying to imitate Giallo's in, in like a reverse, mm-hmm. you know, just the way that it was set up. But wasn't The Church supposed to be like one of the Demons movies originally? Yes, it was. The Church was supposed to be Demons part, what was it, three or four? Yeah. yeah. The score um, to that which, film, though, or The Church is amazing. That is one I would actually yes, love is. to have the score for. Yeah. I'm guessing that's Goblin. I would. I think it's Philip Glass, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I've only watched The Church and The Sect once. They're on uh, Region B Blu-ray, and I believe that uh, Scorpion and Code Red, I, I think it's Scorpion, is putting out uh, Dario Argento's opera, The Church and The Sect. See, I need to get Phenomena. Remastered Blue. Phenomena. Oh, I love... Yeah, that, that's my favorite Argento film. I'm not a huge Argento guy. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of long-winded and spastic for me, but I adore that movie, and it's what I used to have. Oh, it's a great movie. I had the special edition Anchor Bay version back on DVD, and unfortunately that was part of The Purge. So I have none of my yeah. Italian films anymore, which sucks, because I have yeah. none of my Fulci films, I have none of my Argento films, oh, man. none of my Baba, none of my Sylvie films are all gone. And now when I go to look to try to refine those and see how much those cost, I'm like, holy shit. I gotta wait till they yeah. come out on Blu-ray. <laughs> then I, I will pay that. But yeah, a lot of them are on Blu-ray. Unfortunately, they're with the you know they're with Synops or uh, Blue Underground or some of the the more expensive companies that they're a great it's a great package on Blu-ray, but they're not cheap. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Mark, great great so, dissection yeah. of Eyes Wide Shut, guys. While I was gone, <laughs> oh of kids. course, That's yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, how do I hardline this back into that? Uh, where Penises. was I? I don't even remember where I left. <laughs> I agree. Penises yes. is how we get back into this. <laughs> it usually is on Movie Freaks. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, uh, I'm not sure where I left off, so I'm sorry if this uh, is... I missed... I forgot to finish my thought, but... A couple of notes about this movie that I thought were interesting while I was doing research for the review... Eyes Wide Shut is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest constant movie shoot at 400 days. Wow. Which is astronomical. Um, It was all shot in London at Pinewood Studios. All scenes of Tom Cruise walking the streets of New York were elaborate sets that they built. And he does that for about half the movie, so that's pretty impressive. It's the Lord of the Rings of Kubrick movies. Yeah, really. Lots of walking. (laughs) <laughs> Cruz and Kidman were in England so long that their two children developed English accents. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Uh, wrapping up my thoughts about the movie, it it it's what Kubrick does. In all of his movies, even though he genre-hopped a fair amount, he's one of those directors that is always looking for the answer to the, the human perspective or connection or problem. You know what I mean? It's always about how humans relate to other humans or other objects, the human spirit. And that's this 
is that distilled down to its finest, especially when it's a marriage at the core. And for a long time, I thought that, yeah, I was very uncomfortable with this, the argument scene that they have where they get high and then they argue. And, and I was like, I felt like she was being mean there. But then I got married and I real and had more conversations with an actual female and realized that, no, that's m far more realistic to male-female relations and the way that males and females are perceived in the world than, than it's way ahead of its time. I thought I, that's still my favorite scene of the entire movie now. It, it used to be a scene I didn't much care for. I thought it was too uncomfortable. Now it's my favorite scene of the movie because it's so real. And I've had those conversations with my wife. They're not great conversations to have. They, they you know, you, how do I put it? It's an attack on the male ego, but yeah. at the same time, it's real. And I, I think he really captured magic in this film. And then you get the rest of the movie and orgy and whatever, and it's basically from it derails a little bit into what I always say is one man's journey through every form of sex and sexuality for the next hour and fifteen minutes. Pretty Which, much, you know, yeah. he, he bumps he bumps into hookers and orgy and gay guys flirting with him. I was going to say uh, the, the the hotel clerk that's very obviously hitting on him and checking him out. Nightcrawler. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, that movie's still, like, uh, I've watched it several times now. I love the movie. Um, and I, I like the fact that it has, it's not a horror movie, but it has this uh, this uncomfortable feel that almost makes it horrific in its own odd way. Like, especially when they get to... I have an opinion about that. I knew you were going to say that. And okay. sorry, I just made a last minute note because I didn't want to forget. It, this relates back to your review of uh, Black Christmas, the remake where everything is Christmassy and bright-colored and happy. Something I noticed this time around, every time that there is a Christmas tree in frame, it feels disturbing because the colors are slightly off on the Christmas tree, and the, or the Christmas tree is a little more wiry than it should be. So it just feels kind of ugly. So every time there's a huh. Christmas tree in scene, it feels just a little bit more awkward. It's the opposite of what they did in Black Christmas, where it's happy and cheery. And I wonder if some of that wasn't because of the film stock he used. I read a thing that said they tried out four or five different film stocks and they picked one that was actually discontinued by Kodak. And as a courtesy to Kubrick, Kodak produced it for a while just so he could use it. Wow. And even even my Blu-ray, it still had a bit of grain to it. You could definitely tell this was, uh, I assume, 35 millimeter. Yeah. <clears throat> but the color palette is very specific to affect your mood and it's trying to convey the mood that you're supposed to be feeling and it does an excellent job of that it's it's not really drab but it it has the, the color palette is it's not warming it's kind of a cold no, color it is palette. not yeah it's that almost, whole movie feels cold sapia yeah it's so orange for most of it mm -hmm. until it gets yeah. to yeah the orgy stuff then it becomes very crisp and white and blue yeah. yes and even even the big i i i think of other Kubrick movies when i watch Whenever I watch a Kubrick movie, I think of some of his other works. And, like, so when they're at that big party in the beginning and and they walk down the steps or whatever, and I'm immediately I'm, like, I'm taken to the uh, the ballroom in The Shining where where Torrance walks into their big grand soiree, whatever. And I'm like, oh, just this feels like uh, a bit of The Shining was pulled into Eyes Wide Shut. And I, I love that stuff. Oh, his, his other movies are sprinkled all through this. I read all kinds of weird bits, like... They walk through the living room of their apartment, and there's um, a stack of Kubrick movies, like Full Metal Jacket is on top and the side. And there is a, he goes to the morgue, and it's in 
I don't remember the details now, but it was in West Wing, corner something, uh, room 146, and like CM40, or CW40, 146 was the number on the pill bottle that they gave the pills to in Clockwork Orange, and yeah. it was also oh. in another movie. Like, there was all these things that <laughs> when were... When he's strapped to the chair, and they're, they're trying yeah. to pour... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were all these intricate things that were sprinkled around in his other movies. Uh, the the mask that he wears to the orgy party was fashioned off the face of the star of Barry Lyndon. Which I've never seen. I guess. Or, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. don't bother. It's fucking awful. But then again, <laughs> it's a Kubrick movie that I saw one time and didn't like. So maybe I should watch it two, three, four, five times, and then I'll be like, it's a masterpiece. Amazing. It's I just best movie. Well, yeah. that's the thing about Kubrick movies. Like I said to you, out of all the ones I've seen, this is my least favorite. I didn't hate it. I'd still give it a 6 out of 10 for a rating, but... It's just like, I feel it's like one of those movies I would have to watch it multiple times in order to really get the full impact of it. Because there's so many little things going on and you're trying to pay attention to this. And and you're just trying to keep track of where the story's going. And and I don't know about you, but I'm always thinking ahead to be like, this is what's going to happen or this is what's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then you're kind of thrown off track a little bit. And it's so... I think I definitely would have to give it a watch, you know, another watch or two to really know whether this is that low on my list or if it's going to kind of push its way up through. Because like you said, I think with most Kubrick movies, my first time around, with the exception of Full Metal Jacket, I have, it's taken me a few viewings to kind of come around on them. Even The Shining, which I loved the first time around, it took me three or four viewings before I loved The Shining. Well, here's the thing. I'm the sci-fi guy. I didn't love 2001 the first time I saw it. I was like, meh, it's slow. It was very well shot. I appreciate it. But, eh. And then the more I watched it, I was like, holy shit. I, I, like, Shining and Full Metal Jacket, I could have... Well, The Shining might be the only one that I appreciated right off the bat. Because Full Metal Jacket really takes a hard turn in its second, uh, its yeah, second it half. And becomes a different film. Yeah. And in the end, it's all dark and terrible. Yeah. And I would agree with you, Eric. I think that The Shining immediately out the gate. I fell in love with that movie in two thousand one. It took now at this point, it's like, which one is my favorite movie of all time, Shining or two thousand one? Which it's it's they're they're neck and neck. And I've said this before on our, I've said it before on our show, Silent Night Deadly Night. I I have more of a history with that movie than anything else. But for favorite movie of all time, you know, it's like, well, which one, two thousand one or The Shining? It's they're it's splitting hairs. I'm not sure. <laughs> see, see, with me, like, it's... Right now, Eyes Wide Shut in 2001 are my two least favorite Kubrick movies. Not seeing either one of them. They're both great movies, don't get me wrong. But I, 2001's another one. I've only seen that movie twice. So it's still mm. not really... And it's been a long time since I've seen it. Now, A Clockwork Orange... It was like the second or third viewing before I come around on that. The first time I watched it, I just was like, what the fuck is this all Same about? here. Same here. <laughs> wow. Yep. Another good point. Damn it. Now i got to watch Barry Lyndon again. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've, I've probably committed some sort of like movie nerd sin here, but I have never seen Dr. Strangelove. Oh, uh, it's good. It's Yeah, it's good. Um, it, it, to me, it's it's right in there with like the killing, which the killing was good. Um, pa- Paths of Glory was Paths of Glory was actually really good. Um, See, I've never seen any seen of his really like older pre like late seventies stuff. So, 
Lolita yeah. was really good. I, that was one that I didn't expect to like, but I, I was really impressed with that movie. And again, a lot of his movies are uncomfortable for that time and place. <laughs> well, uh, Lolita is actually disturbingly beautiful, but you got to take them for their time and place. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I always said about Kubrick. He, 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 um, he, always, like every movie I've ever watched is, is always in some way or the other has always made me feel uncomfortable. Yes. He is so good at that. Even full metal jacket, which is a, it's, you know, it's a war movie, but it's uncomfortable, and it's this. There's what even the end. There's one even the end when that is so uncomfortable. It's not funny. It's disturbing. Like I'm like I'm not happy with this. There's such a serious tone to them. He doesn't present them as well because of this and this. It's this is all good. It's like no, this is the reality of what is going on in this or what could happen. Then it, then yeah. it, but he made you laugh at it for a long time before he got to that point. Oh yes, with all of this shit with the the training montage. But in Full Metal Jacket yeah. montage, the scene where they are beating the ever loving shit out of him with a bag of bar of soap when they're just, yeah. I'm like, to me that's uncomfortable because you kind of feel really bad for him because you know it's like not really his fault that he's such you know. But at the same time, well, that's where the film—that's where the film really shifts into a darker tone. Because up until then, it was funny how much of a doofus he was, and then all of a sudden we had it real was no longer funny. Yeah, then yeah. we had real stakes because you're realizing, oh shit, these guys are actually in physical pain because of this guy's screw ups. Yeah, and it does not get better from there. And then when he, it, it's and when all he's, death. and when he's sitting there loading the gun and just repeating the line over and over, oh. that scene is just like, holy shit, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> but this yeah. is why I like Eyes Wide Shut, because that conversation that they have after they get high is that is the soap part of yeah. Full Metal oh, Jacket. That's, that's, that's the, so uncomfortable. It's the turning point of the movie where it becomes a psychological psychologically damaging or or just a psychological horror film. But I, but yeah. I think anybody who's been in a long term relationship has had those type of conversations. You know, I not that exact conversation, but you know, I I had conversations like that with, with the girl that I was engaged to, you know, and the, and they it's it's not pleasant when they happen. They're very you know it makes yeah. you feel like shit and yeah. it makes you question things. And I think we've all had those conversations there, you know. As, well, as we a can man, say that, as, but when I first watched the movie, I was a single guy that had not had a long term relationship and I had not had conversations like that, and I viewed the movie entirely differently because of it. Yeah. I don't know what that says. I, I, I think, you know, really, you know, because I was, I was talking to you, Eric, the other day about this, that I really didn't know what to think of this. Like, whether is it an Illuminati movie? I think really the more I've thought about this, that Eyes Wide Shut is a movie about relationships and how people deal with the stresses of those relationships. And, you know, that was his way of kind of, I, I don't know, almost trying to um, erase those memories of what she had told him because he was trying to, he's like, well, if I do something or as bad as that, or go down that road, it will nullify what she has said to me. Yeah. Type thing. You're 100% right. That's yeah. absolutely the way I view this movie. But it's interesting because for, because Hollywood loves to glamorize this, this like the rom-com and, and make everything so beautiful and pretty, like the uh, romance of these kinds of things. This is a movie that's 
fucking real. This is real yeah. relationships. Yeah. This is how it is in the real world. And yep. while he masked it in a ultra rich kind of glaze and the Illuminati Masonic or whatever you want to call it, um, society that is hidden from uh, normal people view, it it still comes down to the, these ultra rich Masonic whatever assholes still have the same fucking problems as the people that make minimum wage. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the movie the movie itself ends like a like there's not a whole lot of resolution there kind of is i mean it kind of comes full circle but at the same time it ends like with it's like it, we're still people and this it's it is what this is what it is this situation kind of sucks but let's you know yeah we're going to carry on with our lives yeah, yeah, yeah this, gonna, this, this scene is, where they're christmas shopping exactly it's, it's, it's like yeah. well, how are it's we going to resolve best. this how are we going to move forward and you know and when they said that I, in the theater i was sitting there going do it Better do it. Oh, I want you to say it. Just say it. Say exact. Say it. And she said it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" That's... And then roll credits. I love that. It's such a great. It ending. is great. Here's here's something to consider though. Uh, in all of Stanley Kubrick's filmography, all the masterpieces that he has made, the very last written word of dialogue that is spoken. <laughs> And a Stanley Kubrick film is fuck. <laughs> oh, I love that. A genius. It's, mildly, it's like it's it's kind of appropriate though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> In it's so fantastic. many ways, it's very appropriate. You know, it's genius. <laughs> it's funny how this show has went from Christmas movies to just dissecting the works of Stanley Kubrick. Oh, this is what we this is what we do. We, we get all serious for a while, and then we make dick jokes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will say, like honestly, this is one of my favorite Nicole Kidman performances I've ever seen in a movie. I thought she, she was wonderful, fantastic in this. Yeah. She was actually considering retiring, and Stanley Kubrick talked her out of it. Wow! He said, wow. "You you owe it to the art form to keep up with what you're doing because you're that good." Yep, and she is. She and even apart from Eyes Wide Shut, I think she is a tremendous, tremendous actress. I think she's great. Yeah. In almost everything, she's another one of those. She's kind of like Leo DiCaprio, to where even if even if he's in a movie that I may not like as much, I appreciate how how well of how good of an actor he is. And she is similar. Like, uh, there's very few performances from Nicole Kidman that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, even if the movie itself is not that good, uh, there's a there's a only a handful a handful of actors that I can say that that it doesn't even if the movie isn't that good, your performance is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. So. Anyway, side derail. <laughs> Very good. No, I would. I agree. And and coming back to that scene where they get high and she makes her revelations about the dream with the naval officer and whatnot. While that started off being, uh, you know, first viewing, I didn't like that scene, and then later grew to love it. Her performance in it is astounding. Yeah, it's astounding. It's it's so it's so fucking real. Yeah, it felt very much like she was, literally, she was getting high. Like, for reals, getting high and just saying whatever came to her mind. Like, or just... You know, it also, throwing it back to the very beginning of the movie, when she's on the toilet and he's looking for his wallet. <laughs> Haven't yeah. we all been there at one point or the other? You know, it's oh, th that's yes. a very, like, natural couple scene, though. I mean, like, we've mm. all been there, you know? You don't even think anything of it because you get so comfortable with somebody, you know? And as movie freaks, you hear these stories of like, why do you need 200 takes? Or why do you need 
Why did it take three weeks to shoot the, the scene where they're walking around the pool table? You know, I, 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 what, huh? And then you sit down and watch the movie and analyze it the way that we are. We're breaking down ridiculous shit. Like, yeah. can't you believe that they did things that natural, normal people do? It's because it's unusual and you don't see it in cinema all that often. Do you guys no, want to move don't. on to my review of Triple X 3? Because, holy shit, we will talk about shit that, that does not fucking happen in the real world. <laughs> because everything, but that's the thing, you know, when movies usually think things are, are to the extreme or they're over the top in the sense that. When, it's when, meant to be an escape. It's meant to be an escape. So when you get, I think when you get movies that are grounded in reality to an extent that those are the movies that. A, make you feel uncomfortable, and two, you know, B, they're also maybe a little harder to swallow because you were like, you maybe can relate, you can relate more so than something that's yeah. fantastical and over the top. But that's but that's the genius of this movie. Kubrick made yeah. a romantic comedy. Oh, a dark uh, rom-com. Okay. A romantic <laughs> ha- you wanna, horror. Yeah. How about a romantic horror? <laughs> so <laughs> Whatever. He made, he made a realistic romantic movie. So are we yes, going to do some recently watched to kind of close the show up? Sure. Sure. What the hell? Let's each do one okay. thing we've recently watched. Oh. Uh, Eugene, you get to go first. Okay. Let me pull up my notes here real quick. No problem. Um, I'll keep this brief. Um, mm. Okay. It's going to be a short round. Okay. <laughs> you call him Dr. Jones. <laughs> I was just going to make a Dr. Jones comment. Thank you, Eric, for jumping on that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Ice Cream Man from Vinegar Syndrome. Wait a minute. So, Didn't you already do this? Oh, did I? Oh. No, no. You were talking about it in the coming soon section of the Oh, last. okay. Okay. I oh, just okay. finished Fantastic. the episode, so, so this is fresh in my head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get into Ice Cream Man from... The wonderful Vinegar Syndrome Company. I love their company, and uh, I love that they are bringing movies that are uh, maybe <laughs> sub-trauma level, which would be the Ice Cream what? Man. What? What oh, is oh. sub-trauma level? Uh, ice Cream Man. That's <laughs> oh. sub-trauma. <laughs> um, Clint Howard is in it, and um, if you don't know who Clint Howard is, he is Ron Howard's brother with um, the goofy... Uh, yeah, dig. he's Ron Howard's <laughs> brother. Yeah, he's Ron Howard's brother, and he's great. I, I, I really like. Whenever Clint Howard is in a movie, he's another one of those where it's like, even if the movie sucks, and this one does, he's hilarious Eric, to watch. Or he's just. He, you might remember him from House of the Dead as the guy in the yellow rain slicker. Oh yes, I know. Who okay, he is. I wasn't sure. I'm a fan. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I, I know him from the Wraith. Oh, that's oh, the yes. I go to. Best barn explosion ever. So. I'm not going to spend much time on this movie because uh, it's not that good. Uh, but the director is, uh, he made one uh, one non-porn movie, which was Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Otherwise, he just did porn, which well, you can kind of uh, tell because... That be a quote on the poster for this but movie. But my question, Eugene, was, <laughs> this... was it gay porn like Tim Kincaid that did, uh, you know, Robot Hall? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I believe it was... I, I believe it was... Um, Oh uh, yeah, it was, I guess I should do some research on that. You hesitated, you because now I'm now I'm yeah. genuinely interested. What did this guy do? Okay, so anyway, uh, he 
he sees this ice cream man get gunned down for some odd reason when he's a kid in the beginning, and then you know the drill. Years later, he's a deranged ice cream man, but it is so padded and boring and duh and ridiculous, and the Blu-ray looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, better review coming next year. Yeah, it, oh, it's gonna, it's it's got its place with the rest of my vinegar syndrome uh, releases, but it's something. So, so next year, the cover, the cover. So, so next year, we're gonna hear Eugene talking about this again and be like, "So I've watched it four more times since then, and I'm coming yeah. around. I'm kind of coming around on a couple things that. <laughs> oh, but it's um." Yeah, uh, the uh, the interview with Clint Howard on the disc is really really good because it he talks about you know kind of who he is and and how this movie was such a cheap movie and all that stuff and the director and it's it, it's very interesting to hear Clint Howard because he is such a genre staple he's been in so many of these little weird offshoot type movies and Apollo thirteen <laughs> I love him so, I really do yeah. every time I see him pop up it makes me happy. Yeah, me too. Anyway, that's it. Ice Cream Man. It was uh, worth one watch for uh, for collectors and completists only. Me. <laughs> so Eugene, who's Perfect. keeping everything TJ. afloat. Yes. All right. So seeing you guys didn't do the roulette, I watched a movie that was on your roulette last week because I wasn't didn't know if ah. there was going to be no roulette. So I picked out Warriors of the Wasteland from 1983. All right. Uh, Starring Gene nice. Carlo Pratt, Fred Williamson, and Eugene's boy, George Eastman. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? Dude, why didn't you sell me on George Eastman? I would have picked that movie. I, I, I'm not going to do that much um, investigation on a movie oh. that looks like that. You say George Eastman, and I'm watching it. So, I'm okay. I'm, I'll, I'll do I, more I have a little review here, and I'm going to make this really quick. Um, in the nuclear apocalypse future, where golf carts are armored with sheet metal flashing and cardboard, a group of waste a group of wasteland warriors <laughs> try and eradicate all remaining life. Known as the Templar or something or others, they believe books are evil and bad fashion choices should be embraced. Uh, the I the film in. looks like a poorly done trauma movie that ran out of funding five minutes into the film. Shot for British television with shot I'm <laughs> You both mentioned that these things are poorer than Troma. I, I, I'm questioning if you've seen Troma movies because this is fuck, like so it's like a Troma movie that ran out of funding five minutes into the film, shot for British television with the director of the Billy Ocean music video for Loverboy directing. Except that's giving it way too much credit. I made it 25 minutes into this film and was checking every two minutes to see how close I was getting to the end. I had to stop. I love some pretty damn bad movies, but sometimes you have to call a turn a turn. I don't even think Mystery Science Theater could have saved this one. There is zero redeeming things about it. If you are a fan of... Uh, Eugene is is literally pre-ordering this from Germany right now. Somewhere on this earth, there is a Blu-ray of this movie that I can get my grimy hands on. If you're a fan of uh, ultra-low-budget... 80s trash Italian cinema. You might enjoy it, Eugene. But even that would be a long shot. Think films like Escape 2000 and Warrior of the Lost World, made famous by Mystery Science Theater 3000. But not as well done. I want my money back, even though I watched this on 2B TV free streaming service. I give this a 1 out of 10 just because it has Fred Williamson in it, and I didn't even make it to the part with Fred Williamson in it. 
So that's my review. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Coming, coming soon. Commentary track of Warriors of the Wasteland on Movie Freaks. That's what's going to happen, I think. <laughs> that would be a great commentary track. I want track. in on that. Especially I want with my in man. if you guys do the commentary <laughs> track for that. With my man George Eastman. Come on. I'm in. <laughs> oh, God. That was great. Oh, okay. It's to me to wrap this up. Uh, what do I want to do here? I, I have been on a spending spree, as we have talked about before, that this is when I buy physical media. So do you want an update on the physical media? Yes. yes. I am up to two PS3 games, five VHSs, eight DVDs, and 29 Blu-rays. Oof. And I have spent about a whopping uh, $57, I think. Ooh, wow. That's like you're averaging almost like a dollar or two dollars a piece. Not even two dollars. I have done fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That is true movie freakness right there, Mr. Mark. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what am I going to start off with? Triple X 3. Return of Xander Cage. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. What a film. Uh, I didn't like the trailers for this movie. I thought it looked like shit. I liked the first movie as being like a good, bad, Fast and Furious kind of thing. Uh, the second one with Ice Cube, I'm kind of meh on, even though I own it. I'm like, eh, whatever. Don't really love it as even a good, bad movie. It's just kind of a thing that exists. Part three? Wow! I had no expectations, and it kind of blew them away. I had a shit-eating grin watching this movie. Is it good? No. But it's hilarious, and it's very Fast and Furious-y, and it's Vin Diesel jerking off all over himself about how great Vin Diesel is. Um, I, uh, uh, You know, if you're one of those people that every once in a while you just gotta kind of switch off the brain and go to the action genre and kind of you know, doggy paddle around in some Vin Diesel sperm. <laughs> you know what? You could do far fucking worse than this movie. Cause I'll... That's what Chuck Norris movies are for, Aaron. Dude, this is Chuck Norris canon in the 80s. That's what this movie is. It's oh, exactly man. like that kind of shit. Yeah. I... Dude, I went in with, I'm not kidding, I already said it, very low expectations. I was expecting to not like this, and I got it so cheap that I was like, I can trade it in and get more money than what I paid for it. That, that most yeah. of the Blu-rays that I've got uh, on this spending bit, people would say, you have a terrible taste in movies. No. These movies were so cheap that if I blind buy them at this cost and don't like them, I can trade them into other stores for more mo money. So it's advantageous to do so. I, I, you know, I get more trade-in value. I can get other movies. I've got some real shit movies on this fucking list. Do you want to hear? Spectre is a piece sure. of shit. I liked Triple X Three more than Spectre. <laughs> wow! No kidding. Wow. Um, I kind of like Spectre. Uh, watch it more than once. I, I liked it the first time. The second time, oh god. Um, Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters. Ah, uh, that movie kicks ass. Also, yes. Also, I love that movie. But most yeah. people think it's a piece of shit. I like that. Uh, it's fun. Legend it's of so Tarzan. Much stupid fun. Yeah. Uh, Gods of Egypt. <laughs> uh, Last Witch Hunter. With Vin Diesel again, jerking off all over himself. Um, Morgan, I haven't seen yet, but blind by, what the fuck? Why not? Resident Evil, the final chapter. 
Final, my ass. Warcraft, Automata, Lost City of Z got like no praise. What's it got praise? I heard that's didn't, a, yeah. It I, didn't get any got, run. It didn't make any money. But I got it for two bucks. Fuck it. I'm gonna. I haven't seen it. Well, I'll check it. Out. Suicide Squad, Ghost in the Shell. I got no excuse for myself. I, I buy these things because they're. It's like it's two bits. Fuck it. Uh, anyway, to wrap up, Triple X Three. Return of Xander Cage. You have never seen a more masturbatory film than this one. It's seriously, it's 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 it fucking hilarious how much Z- I, I I called Vin Diesel Xander Cage. How much Xander Cage <laughs> loves Xander Cage. How much Vin Diesel loves him some fucking Vin Diesel. It's, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna make you watch this, Eugene. You just wait. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sure. Can I we will. do a back to back audio commentary for this and Warriors of the Wasteland in one shot? <laughs> we can. We can. I am gonna give you that last witch hunter though, because I think that movie is underrated. It's it's yeah, not great, but it it's like a more serious take of that Nick Cage uh witch movie. Season of the Witch? No, not Season of the Witch, the the other one. No, that's a that's okay movie. No, the um the Disney one. What? Disney Nicolas Cage that, that that's the gears are grinding there that's Disney Nicolas Cage uh, the uh, Mickey with the dancing mop oh Sorcerer's Apprentice yes okay gotcha Think okay about like that but like serious like a thriller oh, okay of being, right yeah it's fine which that was okay yeah that wasn't a bad movie and Vin Diesel Just, uh, okay are we ready to wrap this bullshit up <laughs> let's wrap it up yeah <laughs> yeah. Because I like Vin Diesel about as much as wiping my butt with, like, (laughs) sandpaper. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, Before we go, um, please visit our Facebook page, Movie Freaks Pod. Facebook, blah, blah, blah. You can find us there. TJ, get all your plugs in. Go see, or go listen, go see. Go listen to Average Joe's Drive-In. Subscribe to that show. It's very good. I enjoy it very much. And please get all of your other plugs in, sir. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Average Joe's Driving Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Thomas Washburn Jr. Find me on Twitter at TWJ Author, though I usually avoid Twitter like the plague because too much political and I can't deal with that. Ditto. And ThomasWashburnJr.com, which you can, I don't keep that up to date, but it's a good resource to all my other sites. And if you love really bad horror, written horror novels, uh, and funny, co- co- funny commentary shit, um, I have a new book out called Confessions of a Boring White Guy, which Eugene has actually read. I did. I quite enjoyed it. And uh, that's like my first nonfiction, but I have uh, six books out and a lot of short stories. And speaking of that real quick... You can get the audiobook version of my short story, Family Secret, read by Eric Marner of the Movie Freaks. You can find that on Amazon.com backslash author Thomas Washburn Jr. Or just type Thomas Washburn Jr. into the search bar and stuff will come up. And buy some stuff and help me expand my podcasting empire. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, May your potatoes always be mashed. I will see you guys at some later date. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, guys. (laughs) What, TJ? Go ahead. He said this means something. This means something. This means something. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'll end with... No, I'm good.
I just wanted you to be silent so it could be absolutely peak awkward. But that's all right. <laughs> oh, this is you a, can this edit is awkward the silence. This is awkward enough. I can I can edit the silence. Holy shit! Uh, nah, I'll leave it. In. <laughs> I wasn't trying to bust your chops. I know. <laughs> all right. I'll no, s- thank you, thank you guys for doing this, man. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, this was fun. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was. All right. See you guys. Bye. Yep. Out of here. See you. See you later. for listening.